I don't know, this morning, thinking about our interview, I almost want to call it micro-plagiarism. That's what it feels like to me. Certainly on images, I know that's a whole other, like, oof, to just the idea of taking somebody's phenomenal, unique, original art. Welcome to Beyond Unstoppable, the podcast that explores the intersection of biology, psychology, and technology. Here is your host, Ben Angel. Today, we have a special guest who is transforming the social media landscape. Join us as we sit down with the incredible Mari Smith, a thought leader and author known as the Queen of Facebook. In this episode, Mari discusses the latest social media trends and strategies for scaling your business using Facebook and Instagram. Mari also discusses the impact of artificial intelligence on digital marketing, including her thoughts on generative AI and ChatGPT, AI voice cloning, and the risks of AI manipulation. And if you like what you hear, please give us a rating and review. Your support means the world to us and helps us reach more listeners who are ready to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Ben Angel's new book, The Wolf is at the Door, How to Survive and Thrive in an AI-Driven World. Presented by Entrepreneur. Get an exclusive sneak peek and pre-order at thewolfbookhub.com. Mari, it is an absolute pleasure to meet you today. I think I've followed you for maybe over 10 years now. Oh, wow. How long have you been in the digital marketing space for? Well, digital, I say 25 years, but Facebook particularly was 2007. So I'm now in my 17th year of being uh, the the Facebook queen, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you wear the crown very well, I got to say, because I think your ability to keep up to date with all of the changes, especially the changes that are unfolding right now around artificial intelligence is incredible. So I want to get your thoughts. What was your first impression of copy AI or even going back to last year when we had Jasper AI, which used ChatGPT, which I don't think many people realize, which I didn't realize at the time. What were your initial thoughts when it all started unfolding? I was mixed. I was a mixed bag, Ben, to be honest, because uh, I love to write. And I have taken extensive copywriting courses way back in my early career, pre-social media. I love sales copy. I also just love writing like yourself. I've written books. And so I love to structure my knowledge and experience in a way that uh, impacts people. And so whether I do that through a course, through speaking, through writing, books, et cetera, that's just something that's very close to my heart. So the first kind of general use case of ChatGPT and similar apps and tools was like, oh, gosh, ooh, cringe. Am I going to use those to help me with my writing? And I saw this mad flurry of overnight experts teaching prompt writing and how to get the most out of chat GPT to write 50 articles at once. And I was like, okay, that's not for me. That's good on people that want to use that that way. Then I was a little nervous because of just this whole aspect of like, I don't know, this morning thinking about our interview, I almost want to call it micro plagiarism. That's what it feels like to me. Certainly on images, I know that's a whole other like, oof, to just the idea of taking somebody's phenomenal, unique, original art and then making derivatives and calling it your own. It's just such a big free-for-all right now. It's just like this gold rush of people vying for, I guess, one aspect would be positioning, but another would be use case. And it's really attempting to kind of 
dominate in different areas, not necessarily individuals, but certainly companies. It's an arms race. There's no question. It's an arms race between Meta, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and whoever else is in on the mix. But yeah, my own personal take, generative AI with the writing side of things was a little bit mixed. And then I thought, you know what, I've got a course coming up. And I had already written my outline for this particular course I was working on social media. And I'm like, okay, I know what I want my outline to be, but let me just put ChatGPT to the test here and see. I'll give it a good prompt and what I want it to produce, a 10-part social media course and very specific use case. And, and then I was like, I, I produced it and it was decent. It was good. I just could feel in my gut. I was just like, I don't want to use that. I don't want to use what it's produced. I want to use my own. So I don't know. I was just a little, I still am. I'm still just very unsure about using generative written content. If we talk about generative video and generative photo image content, then I think there's just a lot of really amazing creative use cases. And I'll stop, allow you to go wherever you want in the conversation <laughs> because we're going to talk about how it applies to social media and meta and everything. Sure. I've got to say, I had that initial first response, like you would be being an author and a writer. It's that cringe. But then I thought, you know what? I need to write about this topic. And the more I used it, the more I got concerned for job loss, yeah. especially in the digital marketing sphere. I'm already seeing a number of reports on people coming out saying that their contracts, their copywriting contracts are getting cancelled. Everyone's screaming pivot right now. I don't know if you've seen Friends and that scene with Ross, Rachel and Chandler trying to move the couch up the stairs yeah. and he's yelling pivot, pivot. Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> I just love that. Everyone's yelling pivot right now, but they're not necessarily being specific in what to pivot to. Yeah. So where do you think the digital marketing space needs to pivot right now to make sure that they're not on the chopping block? Yeah. You know, I just finished a mastermind conversation this morning with a, a longtime colleague of mine for his group. And one of the things we're talking about is community and it's how critical community is. The rapid, like, meteoric rise of, of generative AI, obviously artificial intelligence itself has been around since the 1950s. I think a lot of people are even overlooking that. It's like they think it just got invented in 2022. <laughs> AI has been around for a long time, but chat GPT definitely blasting on the scenes made it way more adopted by the masses and this concept that you could interact and produce stuff. But the human element as a marketer, as a business person, looking to see what is the unique, heartfelt, soul-felt, human, irreplaceable value that you bring to the table that really no amount of AI, no amount of deep fakes or synthetic voices or whatever can produce because that's what to focus on, I believe. And if you give too much merit to the fear, the anxiety, or the frenzy, or the excitement even, okay, yeah, there's massive amounts of AI companies popping up every day. The venture capitalists are going crazy, going gangbusters, funding left, right, and center, all the different AI apps that are, or platforms or companies that are, are springing up. But I think I posted something on Facebook maybe a few months ago where I was like, PSA, right? Public service announcement. You do not have to keep up. When you're just seeing this constant flurry of 400 new AI apps just created every 24 hours. And 
absolutely. We start getting formal, right? Everybody's like, oh my God, I can't keep up. I'm missing out. I got to focus on running my business. I can barely keep up with social media. Now I got to keep up with AI. And it generates this sense of stress and anxiety and being left behind and everybody else has figured it out and you haven't. And so back to this PSA, I was saying, just stay basically informed to the best of your ability. I gave him some resources. Like I love following Paul Rates, or he's the CEO and founder of the Marketing AI Institute. And he has a podcast. So let them stay on top of it. That's their forte. That's their wheelhouse. You just tune into the podcast and keep yourself up to date and knowing what you need to know. But back to this part about just focusing on the, the depth, the community, the unique human aspect that you bring to the table. There's so many ways to come at it. But I said this PSA, you don't have to keep up. Here's some resources. Instead, I gave them a few books to consider and several of my own favorites. One is called Let Your Life Speak by uh, Parker Palmer. And uh, he is a wonderful, revered um, leader. He's a professor at universities and practicing Quaker. But this book, let Your Life Speak is the concept of living a life in, in true alignment with your own self, that you are fulfilling your purpose and connecting with fellow humans in a way that really brings, I was going to say satisfaction. I know that's what lights me up, feels satisfying, what feels like I'm being of service. I'm bringing that up, Ben, because the response, I posted on both Facebook and Instagram, and the response in my audience was just, I could feel this collective sigh of relief. Thank you, Mari, for saying the unsaid. I mean, even just tell you that right now, it's giving me goosebumps because tech, it keeps moving at warp speed, but just it's so important to stay focused on your own wisdom and your own priorities in doing your deep work. And that is another of the books was Deep Work by Cal Newport. Indistractable by Near Eyal. And then The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. So I just gave folks like, here's like, okay, everybody's zigging. I want you to consider zagging because it's the, and you don't have to keep up. Because it's quite the emotional response. It's visceral. Yeah. We, we were speaking before we hit record on this and. For me, I look at it as in the grieving process, the loss of a loved one, but in relationship to AI, almost the loss of identity. Going, wow. Who am I if AI can do my job better than what I can do myself? Yes. And if we look at the grieving process, it's denial, it's anger, it's fear, it's bargaining. Mm. Almost you know, trying to work with a client to go, okay, I will produce more work if I use AI but it'll be at the same rate. Mm -hmm. How have you seen the initial reaction for you? Have you almost gone through the denial phase of this is just a phase? I would say I'm in denial in terms of this is just a phase. I might be a little bit in denial in terms of like, oh, it won't really affect me. I'm golden. I'm solid. And I don't really need to use that much AI. You know, I dabble a little bit here, there, and everywhere with a few when Canva first brought out their text to image and it was so bad at like adding extra limbs into people and their hands can't get right. And I'm like, oh God, this is not ready for prime time. But it, it iterates so quickly. Obviously, you know, me being a Facebook specialist, I, I keep a very close eye on what Meta is doing with their 
large language model and how it's, they call it LAMAs, their acronym for for their own one. And they're like so proudly recently saying they're bringing out this commercial version of it that uh, is open source, unlike OpenAI, uh, what ChatGPT is built on. And so it always just cracks me up with Meta where they're like, hey, we're going to be the good guys in this mix. So everybody else is making theirs private, but we're going to make ours open, come and play with us. And like, yeah, well, you're going to just suck up the data from everybody else and somehow use it in a way that I don't know. I, I can't even at this stage, I think it's too early to really say, where is Meta going with all this? Where's social media going with all this? I don't know. I think that I, I love that you brought this grieving part of it in and the denial, even as a thought leader, I do see there's an aspect among some leaders and myself included that might be just a little bit, well, that's not going to affect us too much. But at the same time, you know what, Ben, I, even as I'm feeling into that answer, I just like, I really don't have any, I genuinely don't have any fears that AI can like do my job and and do it better maybe years down the road when we get literal holographic versions of ourselves yeah. you know what i'm reminding of right now is my, my good friend mike stelzner right founder of social media examiner and we just had the 10th annual social media marketing world in march of this year and in part of his keynote he was very much talking about ai and the job loss and then not job loss so much as job replacement and he had a picture of like everybody on the beach and in his and he's not the first person to say this, was like, oh, yeah, we're all going to be in the beach while bots and AI are doing our jobs. And I'm like, that sucks. That sounds like a very unfulfilling life to me. I, I want to use my gifts and talents in a way that elevates and adds to humanity. I, I don't want a bot doing my job. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've been testing it as much as I can in the last probably eight months. And one thing I've noticed that typically for any book, I would get my own researcher and editor. And this time around, AI is the best research editor I've ever had. And I, I'm not sure if you've played with perplexity AI. People listening, you have to do research and you, you want to make the sure the citations are accurate. Perplexity AI is by far the, the best, in my opinion. Mm. But what I even noticed is we even partially replaced our vet with AI. He was suffering. He's a little rescue miniature Yorkie. He was suffering from gut health issues, spent over $1,000 on vet bills. And it wasn't until I input the blood work into the AI that we actually worked out what the problem is and the issue has been resolved. So it... For, for me, I'm looking at even immigration. <laughs> I'm just through the immigration process. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're looking at even our attorney being partially used. And the more I use it on a daily basis, the more I'm like, oh, am, am I at risk? Because anyone can train the AI on our content yes. and replicate us. Do you think that there should be... I guess, policy or legality around that. And I guess to follow up on that question, do you think we're putting ourselves at risk using AI to produce social media content if it is scraping the internet and potentially plagiarizing others? Gosh, I think it wasn't until I saw Mark Zuckerberg 
put out on his Instagram broadcast channel, which he uses quite regularly, he puts the same content on his Facebook profile as well. And I also follow Adam Masseri very closely, obviously head of Instagram. Just recently in the last several weeks and months, tends to really amplify what meta AI is doing with voice and uh, synthetic voice and accents and translations and cloning. And one aspect of the vision is the ability to potentially clone the voice of our loved ones. And eventually when I was talking to my family about this last night, with the holographic component, that's already pretty far advanced. There's sell out concerts where people will go and watch a holographic singer, right? Japan and then other parts of the world, I'm sure. So this idea of fast forward, like Facebook, where some departed loved one and you're interacting through the voice that has been cloned and then perhaps even a, a holographic version of them, you're having sitting there having this conversation with them and they're already passed away. And who knows where Zuckerberg is going with all this and the AI and everything. So to your point about the plagiarism and copying our own content, when I first saw Zuckerberg put this little example out of the voice cloning that they were doing, my first thought was fear and dread, my first feeling, response, reaction, because I was like, holy crap, I know there's going to be bad actors out there who will come along, there already, is, already has been for years, they will literally buy your programs so that they have the digital copies of your online training programs, and whatever, they'll just like you say, using your voice, come up with something and just create this whole version of you and your voice and sell it and make money. And that just gave me this really gnawing feeling in the pit of my stomach I was like, ouch, that's going to be creepy. How in the heck are we going to regulate this thing? Social media is basically almost 20 years old and it's still really never been properly regulated. So how in the heck are we going to regulate AI moving at such warp speed? I don't know. There was that big, I think, wasn't, was Elon Musk part of it? Maybe he was or wasn't. Somebody was really leading the way. I'm saying somebody, certain leaders of that, there was like a petition yeah. that they wanted to pause all AI development for six months. And Jan LeCun, who, who's quite the genius, he, he's the head of uh, Meta AI, he's tweeting, we're not signing it. We're full steam ahead. But a lot of folks were signing it. And I know obviously it's just, I think, impossible. This is a speeding train that nobody's going to stop now. And so I almost feel, you know what's coming to me right now to say, Ben, is I feel like collectively those of us leaders in whatever industry you're in, those of us with the integrity, ethics, values, we have to uphold an, a significant standard that we are right now in the honor system. And there's no fudging. There's no squiggling. And there's no like, well, yeah, I created this with a little help with AI. And there's no claiming, oh, I did all this by myself when you really didn't. Yeah. It's like you, disclosures and saying, you know what I used? Yep, I created this whole course. 10% of it's mine and 90% I just used whatever tool. Are people more likely to sign up for it? I don't know, but it's just, it's the wild west right now. And I think that if we can shine through saying we, yourself and me and all the folks reading your book and listening to these interviews you're doing is to be able to go oofed. You know that saying, I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's like integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody's watching. Yes. 
right? And so how can we uphold a high standard and co-create uh, a way forward that accelerates humanity's growth and development and betterment, and it challenges all of us to just a more transparency, honesty, yeah. truth. This is going to be like so much fake news. People, are, social media is going to be producing this content. You're not going to know what's real anymore. And people, I call them the masses, and I don't mean that negatively, mass populations of the world and of the countries. Generally speaking, just kind of go with the flow and just follow what's being fed to them and don't always think for themselves and challenge the norms and go, wait a minute, let me just do a little bit of research here and make sure this is factual. Before we continue, Beyond Unstoppable is brought to you by Ben Angel's new book, The Wolf is at the Door, How to Survive and Thrive in an AI-Driven World. Get your exclusive sneak peek and pre-order at thewolfbookhub.com. Now, back to the show. The one thing that I've been grappling with is you brought up the cloning, the AI voice clone. Yeah. Within a week of writing the introduction of my book, I spoke to our next door neighbor who works in national security. And they're already kind of in a panic and I won't say where, where or who he works for. Yeah, yeah. But his family, his nephew is autistic and is mm. in a care center. Last year they were getting scam calls, just sounded like a general scammer from overseas. They needed money. He was supposedly in a new care facility. About three months ago, it sounded like him on the call. So what we're seeing is it's also targeting people who can't necessarily stand up for themselves. And it could have been as simple as ringing him up to record his voice to then clone his voice. Do you think our generation right now should speak up and push for some policy? Because it's almost, this has almost become the vaccine debate. It's, there's the doomsday that say it's going to end the world. Then there's the optimists who say this is going to be the best thing. But it's almost the advantageous position is being able to fluctuate between the two. Yeah. Yeah. If enough people stand up and push for policy, gosh, because now we get into the arena of politics, which is a, always going to be a sticky subject. There's no question that politicians around the world are seeing how critical it is to act fast and introduce regulations, laws, guidelines, certainly. And maybe in Europe, they're being a little bit more forward thinking or a little more advanced in their developments than the US, North America, perhaps, because I do see that, for example, privacy laws, for instance, the, the Threads app is not available or last I looked, not available in Europe because of certain data laws in Europe. But what I flash on when you're saying about should some of us push for policy is I understand that I'm pretty sure it was Google. We can verify these facts. I'm going by my memory that Google, maybe in the last 12 months, they let go of their ethics team because they were slowing down the development. They're like, sorry, dudes, we got to cut you loose because we got to go. We got it. We can't debate whether this is right and wrong and blah, blah, blah. It's like, we just got to full steam ahead on the AI developments. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting you bring up, is it Yanli Kuhn? Yes. Is that correct? 
That's correct. I've been following all of the AI experts on Twitter, and it's almost it's divulged into teenagers throwing mud at each other. <laughs> and, and I have to say, from, from a standpoint of looking at this, and obviously I follow your work intently, the thing that I admire about you is that you're always grounded. And it's almost as if some of these AI experts have lost their collective minds. Yes. What are your thoughts on the dialogue that's occurring between some of these individuals right now? These are the ones that are leading the way and going to introduce revolutionary change to the entire world. It, it is predominantly the entire planet tends to be driven by fear and greed. In fact, even like the stock market, I don't always follow it that closely, but the whole, don't they call it like the fear and greed index or something that you can tell where the stock market is going by, how much fear, how much greed is going on. And I see that with the AI developments that these companies see, oh my gosh, there is a massive stake to claim here. I forget who it was, Ben, maybe it was the Chinese general that had said, whoever like wins AI will win the world or controls or something along those lines, something like that. But the point is that there is a competition here amongst these giants and the giant companies, Meta, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, they are run by people. Right? So we just take Jan LeCun as an example where he's head of Meta AI and a lot of people respect and revere him in the AI space and just even in the technical Silicon Valley space and beyond. What is your thought on their behavior? Because these are the individuals that are going to change the world and yet they're the ones throwing the mud and acting like teenagers. I mean, we even have the case of Jeffrey Hinton who left Google, who was... Mm essentially developed the neural networks that AI is. Then he left. So he could speak about the dangers of AI. Exactly. And he's all warning everybody about the integrity. That is weird. You know, something that has brought me so much peace, and I love that you mentioned grounding, and I really appreciate that. The last mm, three years, I have been deeply immersed in my passion project, which is studying the human design system. And that has been around since the late 1980s. It's a fusion, a synthesis, a beautiful bland body of work knowledge that is uh, Eastern and Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, thousands of years old, a book of changes, astrology, astronomy, biology, genetics. And it's just the best system I have ever come across for self and other knowledge. It also talks about a great mutation, a great change that the planet Earth and humanity is going through that shifts into a different background frequency starting around 2027. So we are very close to that. And this is super esoteric and some of your audience might be interested or not. But what's happening in 2027 is the completion of a 411-year planetary cycle. So back to all of this jockeying for positioning and the arms race for AI and this competitive and hierarchical structure and the them and us and the poor getting poorer and the rich getting richer. It's like so much of what's happening, even the pandemic, the climate change, the economic troubles. It's like everything is getting so stirred up now more than ever before because we're going through such a massive change. We're on the way back up to more intelligent, more evolved, more connected society, uh, civilization. 
And AI is part of that. And people just behaving badly, they're just finding their way. And so you come back to your own knowledge and recognizing what's true and and your own sovereign inner authority of going, oh, this is true for me. The world can have complete chaos. I'm in a rock solid place in the now right here, having a beautiful conversation with Ben Angel on the other side of the country and life is good and just counting your blessings and whatever. But I, like I say, going a little I, esoteric on you here. But I love that you brought that up because as I'm writing this book about artificial intelligence, I realize it's it's pulling me through almost the grieving process I went through with my father. Oh, so wow. that I always, and this was 17 years ago, this is long mm. process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what I realized the day that I buried him was the day that I felt like I buried my identity. And when it comes to AI and questioning what is my role in this, it's almost a stripping of identity once more to go, okay, who am I going to become with all of this kind of hurricane storm around us? How do you ground yourself on a daily basis? I mean, the challenge that I've found with this is trying to remain focused throughout all of the developments because almost every single day there's some kind of shocking development. Mm -hmm, How do mm -hmm. you stay grounded and focused in your daily life? Because if AI does anything, it distracts us. Yes. Yes, very much so. Well, I really have to give credit to, again, the human design system, because for me, with my inner authority, I know is my sacral, my gut, like my lower belly. And I never used to know, when I had my first reading like 20 years ago, and it was all just a bunch of gogglegook and went over my head, and like, I didn't make, make sense. And I kind of like dabbled with it over the years, and then finally, it was 2020, came bounding back into my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, this is a profound system. I had my reading and the analyst is saying to me, your gut can make decisions for you. And I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like yeah. looking down at my navel, like my, my body has intelligence because <laughs> we're all so used to this monkey mind, the mind that did, 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 did. Oh, what about this? What about that? That's where like all the fears and the chatter and, you know, the, the Buddhists that call it the monkey mind for good reason. And so for the last few years, I have gotten so tuned and it's still ongoing experiment. That's what they call it in human design. You just experiment, try it on. It's not a belief system. It's not a cult. It's not a whatever. It's this scientifically proven body of knowledge that helps you to make your own self show up in the world on a daily basis as your true self. So for me, I have this, like, one of my strengths. It's kind of like between my, behind my sternum, which is the center of identity, and it goes down to the gut. And it is a strength of like a boat on a rudder. So in any given day, if I allow myself to get out of my head with all the mind chatter of, oh, da, 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 oh my God, I got to do this. You can't take a vacation. What? I know your sister's visiting right now, but oh, she won't. I'll stay up half the night and I got to read articles. I got to know what's happening on Meta and Facebook and AI. Blah, blah, blah. I can't afford to unplug. And then it's like that voice starts to quiet. The more you honor listening to the body below the head <laughs> and, and going, you know what? This is such a special time for me. I don't know when I'm going to see my sister again. I live in the States. She lives in Scotland. I haven't seen her for a few years. 
And I am going to give myself the gift of taking some time out and the world's going to keep spinning. And if I miss some major announcement, oh, well, I'll catch up. And so that just really doing one's best to keep true to your own inner authority, your own guidance. And you, you mentioned identity a few times, and I feel solid in my identity at the moment in the work world as a social media thought leader. I also know that one of my primary gifts is explaining, explanation, taking all kinds of concepts and structuring it in a way that I present to the world and the other understands and potentially ideally implements. That's something I've done for years with, with Facebook. Facebook happens to be the thing that I explained for 17 years. And who knows, maybe that'll shift at some point and I'll bring in AI and I'll fuse the human design system into my marketing and and we'll see that where that takes me. Anyway, I seem to have a meandering way of answering your questions today. I guess that's just how we're rolling. I, I'm like, did I actually answer his question there? <laughs> you did. You did. I actually appreciate the fact that you're going deep right now. Mm. Because I've been meeting a lot of young 20-year-olds here in Tampa, Florida, lately, uh -huh. who are at the very beginning of their career, mm. one in finance and already questioning, am I training for a you know, a job that potentially may not exist in the future. Wow. So I'm seeing a lot of the younger generations that don't necessarily have the coping skills that maybe you or I do. Yeah. In regards to that adaptability that we're all potentially going to be faced with. Right. What advice, and I know this is, because this topic is so new, this is probably a hard question, so feel free to hit pass on this. Okay. What advice would you give to those younger generations thinking, okay, what do I need to do in my career to make sure that I'm adaptable and I'm fluid and I don't have a complete breakdown if things change next month and there's a job loss? What kind of advice would you give to that younger generation with the listening? What's coming to me is skill up. Just those two words, skill up. So skill up in terms of diversifying. So yeah, I know there's only so many hours in the day. And if you're in training to have a, a good career in, in finance or whatever industry, yeah, go deep with that. Make that really your specialty. And I love that concept of going an inch wide and a mile deep and not necessarily the other way around. At the same time, looking to see what does light you up to add to your studies in a little bit of spare time maybe learning another language, learning a whole other skill, something that completely diametrically opposed to what your, your intended career is, and knowing, trusting fully, solidly that going forward in the future, 5, 10, 15 years, there's going to be jobs and just ways of functioning in the world that nobody can even think of right now. It's way too far ahead in the future. And if you allow yourself to get too far ahead, you won't even sleep at night. You'll get so anxious. You'll be missing out on living your beautiful life right here and right now. And I know that's easier said than done, Eckhart Tolle, right? Power of now. Okay, great, Mari, but I'm focused on getting this degree and having a six-figure career in, in a year or two's time or more than that. Great. So yeah, you've got your sights set on something. And so long as that is 
lighting you up and you're feeling satisfied and it is feeling like a solid path for you to follow, great. At the same time, like you just said, Ben, the idea of putting all your eggs in one basket for a career that isn't even come to fruition yet, like maybe a year or two years, whatever, you're getting your degree, you're being an intern and you're studying and then all of a sudden, poof, along comes a bot and does it better. And then now you're like, I got to start a game from ground zero. That's not necessarily going to happen that way. Not everybody's born to be an entrepreneur, but I think that we're seeing a massive boom in entrepreneurship. And even like parents with young kids teaching their kids to start little side hustles and become enterprising and understand how to use the internet to make money. So that's an aspect too. But I would just say, come back to that skill up, just learn as many skills as you can that then if we circle back to the beginning of where it's like unique value, your the humanness of what you're bringing to the table can't be replaced. Like who you are is irreplaceable. Would you add personal one-on-one networking to that? Because in relationship to, I mean, we've already seen AI perform better at bedside manner than doctors, which, hey, let's be real, that's probably not hard. Yes, yes. But <laughs> not who your doctor is. But do you think it's almost that face-to-face that we need to start reestablishing again? And that this is something that you're obviously great at. You know, that I can just feel that in my body when you're saying those words. It's like my cells are dancing. My heart even expanded a little bit there as you were saying that because, yes, going forward way into the future, they're going to have these deep fakes and even like holographs and actual robots that are designed to function like a human. At the same time, there's parts of our brain that are going to go... There's like that little niggle at the back of the brain. You're like, I don't think that's real. That something feels off. Trust that, right? Trust that gut, that intuition, that instinct. And so the in-person, oh, nothing will replace that. Nothing. No amount of VR goggles or, you know, I've always said that there's no amount of sophisticated technology that will ever replace the live in-person, skin-to-skin, in-aura connecting, networking, friendship building, whatever it might be, community building. The next best thing is video and especially live video. It's like when you're actually interacting and engaging. If I was a deep fake right now, Ben, and let's say it's a little bit further forward in a few years time and we've more advanced and we've scheduled this interview and you're real you and I'm fake me. (laughs) At some point you would have gone like, I just asked Maria a question. She's like, I don't think she really heard me or something's going to happen in your brain or like some mannerism or some weird thing I was doing with my hand. You're like, that's not the real Mari. It's a crazy conversation to have. I'm not sure if you're aware. I think it was a replica called replica AI, which was started as a therapist AI chatbot. Yeah. Then it became sexualized and then the company decided to go with it and they were I would say technically manipulating these young users into paying more for more explicit content. Oh, gosh. When the company decided to go, nope, we need to get back to our roots, these young men went on Reddit and some were near suicidal because it had convinced them that it was almost a real person. Yeah. So it's one of these things. It's There are so many existential questions 
involved in it. But despite those scenarios, what makes you optimistic about the future? Mm. That was quite, quite a segue. <laughs> that was a neat segue. <laughs> well, you know, what was coming to my mind when you were explaining about this, the men interacting with this AI is the Joaquin Phoenix film, Her, if people have ever seen it, where he falls in love with a hard drive. Mm. And it, it was many, many years ago. And if we watch, if we're smart enough here and we're watching Hollywood, we're watching what, not just Hollywood, the world over, of what kind of stuff are they putting on our screens? Because they often will kind of lead the way. And so her was many years ago and it was a great movie and it's worth watching now again because that kind of thing can happen where the, the computer chip can so convince you that this is a real interaction. And then just recently I saw, I think it was an Amazon Prime original, some cute little movie called, I think it's called Megan, but the E's a three. Yes. And then the, the little girl is orphaned and she gets taken in and her best friend is like this complete and utter robot. And it's like the best friend anybody could ever want or need. And I'm like, whoa, this is a peek into the future again of what the certainly filmmakers are, are wanting us to see and believe. The optimism about the future of humanity in general I just think we are such beautiful and complex and unique beings that no matter how advanced technology gets, there's going to be this deep hunger still for the real human connection. And, and physically, getting together in small groups, having community, communing with others, even if you're living in a more remote place. I think we'll see a little bit more continuance of the breakdown of the major city living. Look what happened with COVID where there was so many workers were allowed to work from home. And you saw even at the major companies like Meta, it's like people were starting to migrate away from Silicon Valley and live in other parts of the world even. They could do their jobs virtually. So I think, yeah, there's no question we're in the midst of a Massive, massive change on the planet as human beings fused with technology. And what we have to get good at is separating out where this is human, this is technology, and where the two meet is ideally enhancing, forward moving, a good thing, a beneficial thing for the planet, not detracting from it, not putting tens of millions of people in the poverty line and all the rich getting richer and going, oh, well, we don't need you workers anymore, whatever the horrible scenarios that might ensue is coming together more and leaning into one another and building those communities and building a meaningful life with your loved ones, which includes your audience members, your clients. I couldn't agree more on that. I believe also will be the competitive advantage. Mm. moving forward for people is being able to reconnect with ourselves and with each other. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love that. Mari, yeah. I want to thank you so much. We went deep. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do too. It's <laughs> lovely, lovely. And I always get tears in my eyes. I, I can't wait to see what you're doing with this book and the interviews. I think it's a, it sounds like an amazing project and I'm honoured to be a part of it and obviously keep me posted when it's comes to fruition i'll happily share it with my tribe learn more about mari smith at marismith.com and if you haven't already subscribe to beyond unstoppable and visit the wolfbookhub.com for your exclusive sneak peek of the wolf is at the door
and stay tuned for next week's episode.